cozy little strumpets and welcome to the latest episode of the steam room. I am your host Lenny and with me this week is my darling special co-host and my bestest friend in the whole wide world, Miss Kat. <laughs> Meow, hi. Hi Kat. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here because we're talking about one of my favorite movie i know i'm excited too well just for like the <laughs> three people who are here and don't know who you are tell tell the lovely people who you are all right my name is kat and i am a head honey at thehorrorhoneys.com i live in the upside down and i read too much and i edit too much that's, and that's kind of my life <laughs> yeah same same <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> well, before we jump into this week's movie, as always, we uh, preface everything with a spoiler alert, which is if you haven't seen today's film, we're going to be discussing the plot. So don't be an asshole. Either you're in or out. Is this your chance? Stay or leave. We're not. And really, mind. this movie is like 20 years old, which is almost always the case every week. So <laughs> <laughs> there's not been a good erotic thriller in about 10 years. So it's not like we're no, discussing true. anything you haven't had a chance to see. So don't come exactly. crying to me with your spoiler crap. I don't want to hear it. Uh, and there's also going to be a nerd alert attached to this week's episode because this week features two people who probably love today's movie more than is appropriate. So it's definitely more than it deserves. I'm sure. I, that's also true. I think that's probably a very safe <laughs> estimation. And uh, you know, you've been warned on both fronts. So on that note, we're going to move in to the details of this week's movie, which is The Devil's Advocate from 1997. Yeah, yeah. Directed by Taylor Hackford, who I love and think is highly underrated. Starring Keanu Reeves, who I love and think is highly underrated. As well as Al Pacino, Connie Nielsen, Charlize Theron, Tamara Tooney, Warner for Life, what, what? And <laughs> Ruben Santiago Hudson. Uh, Kat, do you want to tell the lovely people about the plot? <laughs> Can you? I do indeed. <laughs> so the plot is is uh, Kevin Lomax, who is a Florida lawyer, a litigator. <laughs> <laughs> a litigator, oh, Gator, Florida, um, from Florida, is uh, brought to New York uh, to do a, a test jury for a giant New York firm. And through the the course of the film, he realizes that he's really damn good. Like he's really good at this stuff. But is it like is it like he's good, or is he like supernaturally good? Is there something else at work here? We don't know. Kevin's life falls a- apart around him, but he can't really figure out what the fuck is going on. And, uh, Even though it's really, really super obvious, and <laughs> because I mean, Al Pacino's at the uh, the heart of all of it, and you know you're always in trouble when Al Pacino's involved. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. When Al Pacino is wearing heels, you're in trouble. Yeah, well, isn't he always? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's just like. A- so yeah, I guess that is, that is the the basic premise is basically Kevin's upward climb and then that deep downward spiral to super fucked up biblicalness. Is this the one time in history where we've had a uh, a, her- a hero named Kevin? I feel like that doesn't yeah. happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevins of the world, but I just don't feel like that's something that happens. Anyway. I know, right? We, we need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> off topic. 
Uh, every week in the Steam Room, we now have a little a segment called Steam Room Confessions because we want to make you a part of the sexy. And this is when we share a viewer poll that was conducted on Twitter prior to the episode. And we showcase some of the answers that we got on Twitter because you guys are awesome. I love you. And this week's poll was, who is the sexiest devil of all time? And the choices were Al Pacino, Will Smith, Viggo Mortensen, and Tim Curry. And our winner in a landslide was Tim Curry as the Lord of Darkness in Legend from 1985. How can you not? Yeah, I was expecting it to be a little tighter with uh, Viggo Mortensen, but nope, Tim Curry just swept it. I I think if he'd like slotted Gabriel Byrne in there, we would have had a tighter race. Maybe. I I thought about it, but it was one of those like, "Eh." (laughs) I couldn't decide who to include. There really were so many. There were just there are so many people to choose from that are just mm-hmm. sexy little devils, and uh, our buddy Eric Cerna voted for Curry, saying Tim Curry's devil was cut as hell. Plus the dress he gave to Lily. Not only is he giving her gifts, but he's got style. Isn't I agree. Right? That dress was incredible. It was fashion icon. So you can follow Eric on Twitter at Big Spoony Bard. So on to our film this week. Uh, the Devil's Advocate is an erotic horror thriller, which is not something we've covered yet. What no. is the difference between an erotic horror thriller and just a regular old erotic thriller? And why do so many erotic horror thrillers feature the devil? <laughs> because the devil is always sexy. Almost giving always. In, almost giving always, in to yeah. sin and giving in to, into your, your base desires is a very sexy thing. And somehow that always relies on the devil's presence it's true it's true i i I think you're hard pressed to find a a version of satan in any horror film that isn't appealing in some way even when you cast someone like tom waits who may not be (laughs) like visually the most appealing person in the world there's still something about him that you can't deny is there is there's something enigmatic about these devils it doesn't really matter what they look like it's what they're offering you it's their charisma I mean, obviously, I'm forgetting about the devil in the stand because that was bullshit. But, <laughs> but, um, but by and large, and by a huge margin, the devil is an attractive, seductive figure, regardless of what they look like. Exactly. I think you know that that's kind of the thing about the erotic horror thriller as well, is that like we get in the Devil's Advocate, it's not just the seduction it's that or the seduction of sin you know what we're talking about with the devil it's that in addition to erotic horror thrillers they tend to make horror sexy they take (laughs) gore and blood and fear and they they connect it in a way that i think sex and fear are kind of inextricable in horror films but they make it appealing as opposed to or terrifying school. yeah like you you have sex and you die it's not really like that in the erotic horror thriller it's more <laughs> no. like you have sex and like eh, you know you could die or it could be really awesome for you in the end who knows even if you die it was an awesome time right exactly i mean you may have had sex with the devil or your sister i mean <laughs> could go either way <laughs> it could go either way <laughs> no one said it wasn't a crapshoot you know <laughs> right you never know what you're getting here, and that's half the These fact. are the dice you roll when the devil's involved. Exactly. Exactly. It could, you know, it could be Charlize Theron. It could be Connie Nielsen, your sister. 
and then we're sorry for you. But <laughs> you, you took that risk. You took that risk. You took it. So it says a lot about Keanu Reeves' likability as an actor and just a human being in general that this film can start the way it does with him getting a pedophile off the hook for molesting a teenager and you're still rooting for him not to die. Well, the thing of it is, is that he, he does, he does have a change of heart. It does, you know, <laughs> sort of. I know, I know it's that, it's that horrible inner, inner conflict. Like he knows that something fucked up is going on, but he still does his job because that he's that good. Um, but I love the fact that vanity is set up from the start of this movie, um, as a major problem for him. Once the clues start dropping in later in the movie, and it's a complete mindfuck when you go back and think about what happened leading up to the middle. Um, I know I'm rambling about other things, but like the deadly sins come up in many forms, but vanity is the most predictable and manipulatable. Um, and it supplies so many levels, which is what makes it so insidious and makes it such a, a great base for this film. Right. I, I, I love it quite a lot. Um, but, I mean, you have to look at at this character in his supreme pride in himself and his abilities and his inability to let go and give up and give in, yeah. which is ridiculous. And, yes, child molester, absolutely disgusting. And Kevin just forgets that and does the job. Which is, I mean, at the end of the day, that is awful. what being a lawyer is, you know, especially when yes. you're a criminal defense lawyer, it sucks. But it's, it's especially when you see this scene where you're, where it's been obviously not subtly made aware that the person he's oh, yeah. defending is a disgusting human being. Oh, yeah, still, that whole table thing. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. And he still rips this child apart on the stand, played by Heather Matarazzo. And yeah. you're like, dude, I mean... You have to do your job, but still. And then, of course, in the but end, still. you know, he makes he makes the right decision immediately followed again by the wrong decision. Decision. So, <laughs> you know, the cyclical nature of the fact that he can't escape the need to always be in the limelight the is kind of kind yeah. of an interesting subtext of this film. That I Absolutely, and we'll goes, we'll talk about that later yeah, for sure. Underrated. So Al Pacino <laughs> plays John Milton, and come on, who doesn't love a heavy-handed literary sledgehammer? <laughs> oh fuck! And what's nice about this is that the fatal flaw of the devil is his own vanity. Oh, in the yeah. end, so yeah, and I think that's that's something that that isn't really presented in the, in these thrillers and these erotic thrillers that feature the devil is that the devil is rarely depicted as having a fatal flaw. Right. I mean, he's, you can always defeat the devil in a certain way, but it's never because of something he has done. Yeah. Or something about the devil's own personality and the devil having a kind of human personality. Mm. So I really, I really like that about this version of the devil, but yeah, that sledgehammer paradise lost. What? Yeah. Like, okay, don't, don't drive it home now. I just love Make that. it easy. No one makes the connection. Fucking no one makes the connection. Like, Ugh. Yeah, no. I know. If, if somebody named John Milton was hiring me to be an attorney, my first thought would be, you're Satan. <laughs> don't even. Don't even. You take your job <laughs> somewhere else, it, devil. I've got uh, other things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where we pause to point out that this film does star Jeffrey Jones and, you know, fuck him with something hard and sandpapery for all eternity. Yep, hard and pointy. Yep. 
all the time forever. Yeah, uh, not not a uh, not a fan of Jeffrey Jones or the fact that people keep hiring him to be in movies. So this is a uh, no separating the art from the artist zone in the steam room. Jeffrey nope. Jones can go jump off a cliff. Thank you. Indeed. All right. To so thunderous applause. Yeah. Goodbye, sir. So this movie, The Devil's Advocate, is full of strong, complex female characters, but does it pass the Bechdel test? And uh, I think we both came to the conclusion that it actually does not. It does not. Like, definitely not. Even in the tiny moments that it does, the conversations are all about one thing, and that's vanity and its various connotations and meanings to the characters. Um, The wives... I mean, from my perspective, I see the wives as prizes that are given to faithful devotees for their service. Um, they're strong, they're sexual, they're, they're opinionated, but ultimately they're playthings. And the uh, the male gaze, like the camera, is very is lascivious and pointed and very specific yeah. in what we see. So I think that's an important distinction to make. Like, yes, these women are strong, these women are beautiful, these women are powerful, but ultimately they're they're figments of everyone's imagination. Right. And I mean, the it's so complex because, you know, they, they are almost always talking about men. They're Mm -hmm. always talking about the things they want. They're talking about clothes. They're talking about shoes and design and painting walls. And so it's like plastic surgery. Yeah. So it's like individually, there's a lot to cling to and how interesting these women are written. But then when, mm-hmm. like, when you put them in a group, ugh, it starts to hurt a little bit. It does. It Which really does. Might, yeah, I want to probably give it more credit than it deserves and thinking, well, maybe that's the point that, you know, the, the women within the law firm have been corrupted and it takes the group to corrupt uh, Charlize Theron's character, Marianne. It's when she's on her own mm-hmm. that she's stronger, but I, I don't know if it was that complex <laughs> too much crap well it's all apparently. these it's all these influences it's one of those things that i really like about movies that involve um these supernatural things like constantine another keanu reeves starring role yes um where there's angels and demons and they kind of whisper and you know push and pull humans in one way or the other and i think because she's surrounded by all of these demonic women it's kind of pushing her pushing her that way. It's those little, little hints and little picks. So when she is on her own, yes, she is stronger because when she's with all these other people, it's this like sea of whispers kind of pulling her around and making her feel like this is all normal. Like that, um, that scene in the Barzoon's apartment is just crazy. That party scene. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just so, so claustrophobic and, um, and intimate and it's that that feeling of no matter who you're talking to, everyone in the room can hear you. Yeah, that's that's you know? somebody that doesn't do crowds and parties. That that is one of the most stressful scenes to me because you can kind of feel Absolutely. her anxiety starting to creep up, and it's really contagious. Mm-hmm. And the I just love the the little blips that we get, little scenes between different groups of people talking, and it's all very predatory and dangerous. Lawyer speak, you know, it's. It's really, really stressful, and I, I really love how that was set up. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a that's a good segue into the character of Marianne, who's always been to me the most interesting one in the film, 
Now, she's Kevin's wife, and throughout the movie, she slowly starts to fall apart, lose her mind, mm. connected to a bunch of different things. So something that's always been really interesting to me is, was she always like this, or did John physically do something to her? Because on one hand, she goes from an independent career woman to being completely isolated in a new city, but on the other hand, it happens really fast. And it happens mm-hmm. immediately after this very intimate moment between her and John and it's like did he use his devil powers on her or is it just the everything getting to her in a way that it naturally would that you Mm. it's understandable that these things would get to her but it is an extreme switch so it it yeah it's it's a it's a really quick head first slide down the hill isn't it um I I feel like it really was that first giving in to vanity as suggested specifically by him. Right. You know, the whole changing your hair and straightening your hair and all that kind of thing. Like hair is a very intimate thing for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that, I think that that whole, that scene between the two of them with all this chaos going on around them, they're this little like eye of the storm and it's really, really creepy and intimate. And, um, it's like this little weird bubble between the two of them, like he's created it for them. And I think he I think he totally used his devil powers, and I'm using my air quotes here, devil powers to manipulate her. So it feels like when others are manipulated by the devil, specifically, their soul kind of flexes to allow it. They get stronger. Kevin gets stronger. Everyone around them gets stronger. But Marianne, who really just wants to be happy and have a family, is completely fucked because she is literally the epitome of goodness in this movie. She is that good touchstone, that innocent lamb sent out among the wolves right um there's no flex there's no flex to her soul yeah so when so when he when he hits her with that and she gives in everything kind of cracks and falls apart yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point and it's 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 interesting to watch the process of her falling apart because it is so extreme and it's so upsetting Mm -hmm. and i think it's a it's a really interesting performance for her i think she's really underrated in terms of the performance she gives in this movie and it was a really good precursor to what she obviously became which is absolutely you know, an oscar winning actress she's exceptional um i find it i find it a little funny that we, i know we've talked about this in previous steam rooms where the actresses who do these roles um in erotic thrillers they usually get passed over for other things because they're seen in a completely different light like they're seen as predatory and right and sexual and, and not not the right material for a romantic lead. I think because Charlize got this role that was so um, sweet and innocent and corruptible, I think that's why she was the only one to kind of succeed out of it. Like Connie Nielsen did her own thing. That's what I was going to say. But she definitely, Connie she definitely hasn't her. had yeah. the career that she deserves. And maybe it was because of this predatory role. I mean, it's, it's super hard to say. Yeah. I, but I, Charlize seems to be an anomaly. Well, and I think it's definitely because she – didn't play the the Connie Nielsen role. I think when you take mm-hmm. on that particular role of being sexual and especially uh, with the incest angle, I think it's a little harder for people to <laughs> look at you and see anything different later. Whereas, oh, totally. You know, Charlize was relatively the 
the good guy here, probably more than anyone else in the movie. So it's a little easier to shake that off. At the same mm-hmm. time, you know, when people talk about her films, they rarely mention this one. So it's not like it's... I know. It's, it's not so exactly, weird. Yeah, it's not exactly clung to her in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, no, it's and it's funny because um, when we saw Wonder Woman and Connie Nielsen was on screen, my husband turned to me, he's like, is that the chick from Devil's Advocate? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it took never, a while. Never said that about Charlize. So it's it's one of those things. Like this is what you remember, right? Right. And it took her a while to get to the point where you really saw her in big screen. I mean, she's been doing smaller stuff for forever, and she was on TV. Mm-hmm. But you know, to to be up there in a big budget film, that's definitely something that it took a while for her career to flex into. So good on totally. her for that. Um. So in the film, Kevin ends up taking on a case that is ends up being incredibly similar to the case that he left behind in Florida. And uh, d- d- I don't remember if we added it. There are elements of a certain hobbit-handed, powerful <laughs> man that currently oh, yeah. pretends to run our country that is uh, a little bit present in this character. And it's intentional apparently mm-hmm. which is even it more exciting like it. yeah it's it's right in there and it's played by craig t nelson and it says a lot about craig t nelson's skills and actor that someone so generally likable can be so fucking detestable in this movie he's neffler the muffler man god damn it <laughs> and if you get that reference we can be friends <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe I totally forgot about that until you brought it up and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I just it's it's really a very upsetting subplot, but it's upsetting in a way that's effective and he plays the mm-hmm. role really well and Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gross, but it works. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's probably even Absolutely. more upsetting in retrospect given the <laughs> current situation. Well, I I know we're we're probably going to get to this later, but um, I think The Devil's Advocate predicted a lot of things it had no real business predicting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a really funny thing. We will get to this later, but I think there was a lot of like forward thinking stuff that was said and written into this movie that was just like, where did you know? And it's taken twenty years for it to be like, oh my god, yeah, this is a thing now. Yeah. Oh my god, because I mean, in nineteen ninety seven, you never would have imagined that the world would be what it is right now. Yeah, this is especially relevant when we get to uh, John's yeah. blithering speech later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, this is very true. And uh, again, if you've not seen this movie in a long time, go back and watch Craig T. Nelson's character, especially pay attention to where he lives. And <laughs> then uh, yep. report to us because it's it's a little bit creepy. <laughs> I think we need some outside opinions on this yeah. real estate mogul who yeah. <laughs> murdered his wife. Yeah. And uh, being creepily in love with his daughter. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, I love that uh, when Marianne finally goes to Kevin with her stress. It's, Honey, it's, basically, it's your hair while you're upset. It's your hair, isn't it? You cut off all your it's, hair. It's That's just hair. really upsetting you, isn't it? Like, really, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Like it's such a it's such a funny thing, you know. Oh, oh, it's such a drastic change. It's the color and oh, I mean, I like it just fine, but fuck off, man. Yeah, and it's like usually the first reaction when a woman's having problems is like, oh, maybe you should change your hair. And then the minute you change yeah. your hair, 
oh, I think it's because you changed your hair. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself, dude. But it also it also really shows how distant Kevin has been and how different their relationship is since they've been in New York. Like, that doesn't strike me as something he would have said back in Gainesville. Yeah. Well, by the way, sorry, people you know? in Gainesville, your city sucks. <laughs> oh, why anybody would live in Gainesville is beyond me. I understand why Tom Petty <laughs> left. You can claim Tom Petty's like, oh, Tom Petty's from Gainesville. He doesn't live there for a reason. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's a we, since we brought up Gainesville, I really have to address this whole Florida stud thing. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. <laughs> that gets, it gets brought up a few times. I have no idea why. What is a Florida stud? I, you're asking like these, the wrong these guys that wear bad suits and snakeskin boots like is this is this an actual thing I think the that's florida Texas. stud quote unquote because every time i see a news report that has florida men in it they are never studs <laughs> like i said they've usually uh accidentally swallowed their snake while riding a mechanical bull <laughs> like, I don't exactly know. well well high on something they made in their yeah. bathtub <laughs> exactly I, I don't i don't know the answer perhaps perhaps <laughs> the writers of this movie have an answer maybe they know something about florida we don't um but yeah good 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 on the people of florida you keep doing your thing uh so there is another subplot in which we discover shocker of all shockers that pacino is keanu reeves's father who would have thought right come on and uh there's this awesome scene where judith ivy who plays uh kevin's mom comes to New York for the first time ever, or is it? And dun, dun, dun. yes, and sees John Milton for the first time, or is it? And, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and he gets this crazy ass look in his eyes that is just pure Pacino. I love it. It's it's predatory and sexual and just insane, utterly insane. Yeah, like if it were anybody but Pacino looking at you like that, you'd probably call the cops. And even totally. now, if Pacino looked at me like that, I'd probably call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, so this it's is just it's just delicious. Like there's so much in that gaze that tells you exactly what they've done, and he knows every single inch of her. Yep, that preacher's wife from Gainesville. Yeah, and he's got a he's got went to a woman on either arm, one of which is his creepy daughter girlfriend, and it's just it's such a creepy, uncomfortable scene, especially when you it's in retrospect. Obviously, we've both seen this movie a million times, but yeah, oh yeah. you know, after that first viewing, when you go back and watch it again, it's like oh, ew. <laughs> yeah, ew. Ew. and I really need I really need to bring up Al Pacino's laugh with his tongue between his lips. Yeah. Why does he do that? I don't. Does he do it all the time? <laughs> or is it just in this movie? All the way through the movie, every single laugh, he's got his tongue between his lips or his teeth, and it's the weirdest thing ever. I'm trying to. Rem- I'm trying to remember if he's done it in any other film or if it was a character choice in this one. Ah, <sighs> it might be because it's just lascivious and oh, hmm. I'll have to look off-putting. into that. See if he. That was a like a snake kind of thing, like trying to make a point. It or, must be. Yeah. It must be. That's how he laughs. And uh, so at this <laughs> point, uh, Kevin's mom offers to take Marianne back to Gainesville. And uh, you know how I feel about religion. But th- at this point, maybe he should have let his Jesus-loving mama take Marianne home with her. It yeah. It seems really selfish that he 
did not let that happen. He didn't want her around anyway. Selfish. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, I think that's the weirdest point is that Marianne is getting in his way, obviously. Right. And she's this like little, little guilty thing that he keeps, but he can't, he can't get rid of her either. It's it's this weird, weird possessive thing. Like she's mine and I'm looking after her. So stay in my giant apartment in New York, even though she's super unhappy, but I don't really care. Right. She's not doing anything but like marinating in her own misery in the apartment. So Mm -hmm. yeah, selfish. So So selfish. There's this. And that was, that was another test as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And there are several of them, especially moving forward from that point where you know that that's what's happening. And uh, so we're just going to stop here to point out that there is a scene in this film where Al Pacino speaks Spanish and he speaks horrible Spanish. It was painful to <laughs> like listen the to. Super jolty high school Spanish that you learn and you have to repeat it all back and pronounce every single yeah, syllable. That was somebody off camera probably like speaking into an earpiece. So he was doing it phonetically. Oh, it, yeah, it was awful. Hurts. Ugh. So. There's this awesome scene, which just <laughs> seriously, like, okay, you know how I feel about Keanu Reeves. I'm not sure everybody knows. I try to make it very clear. He is the lock <laughs> screen on my phone. Um, I love this man. I think he is one of the most underrated actors in the world. And there are several scenes in this film that I think prove what an excellent actor he is. And there's a mm-hmm. scene he, around this point in the film when... Kevin is fighting with Marianne on the phone in the kitchen of a restaurant and they're fighting and there's no conviction to his fight. It's like, he's just going through the motions and he stops while he's fighting to just smile this Keanu Reeves smile at John who is salsa dancing in the restaurant. And it just, it always gives me chills because it just shows how uninvested he is in this fight and Marianne's (laughs) pain how he's not listening and he's not even pretending to care anymore. And it's just, it's this little moment, but I think it was, it, it works so well and it always catches me. I usually end up rewinding it to watch it again. Cause it just, it's mm-hmm. so good. Oh yeah. That whole scene is super chilling too. And you think about it and he's talking to these girls and telling them where they went to school and you know, all this kind of stuff, like what have they done and how are they being influenced now? Right. It's it's a really chilling, creepy scene, yeah. and I, I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So well, we're going to pause real quick for another one of our steam room confessions. Our darling friend Amber picked Tim Curry as well in our steam room poll, and her reasoning was that she saw Legend in the theater when I was a kid. Technical issues caused it to stop playing halfway through, and the quality was shitty, but nothing stopped me from loving it. Tim Curry left an impact on me that will last a lifetime. I think that applies for all of us. Agreed. Yeah. You can follow Amber on Twitter at Tango in Eden. So, thank you, Amber. So, at this point in the film, we kind of hit probably the most straight-up horror moment in the movie which is a Mm -hmm. dream marianne's nightmare yeah that that marianne has but for me everything following marianne's dream is more upsetting than the dream itself because she at this point realizes that she she knows she can't have children she's been told by a doctor and whether you are a woman who wants children or not, you know that horrible gnawing feeling of suspecting that some people only see worth worth in your ability to poop out a baby or not. 
And it's kind of that moment for her where she realizes that she doesn't, uh, not only does she not believe that she can have the life she has, but she doesn't think Kevin's going to see that worth in her anymore. And mm-hmm. watching her go through those emotions, I think, is one of the most moving and upsetting scenes in this film. Absolutely. And she's and she's totally resigned to it, too. She knows it's going to happen. She, I know you. I know you. And it's just yeah. this quiet terror that she has nothing left to offer him. It's so it's so upsetting. And I couldn't that I, I couldn't you, imagine I, I couldn't imagine that you know yeah. someone that you've dedicated your entire life to, given up everything for, and something that is beyond your control renders you useless to them. Yeah, Ugh. it's, it's Ugh. an intense scene, and it's again another really well acted one. Mm-hmm. Now there's there's a scene that follows where Mil- John Milton tells. Kevin, that he should take some time off for the case or for Marianne, get walk away from the case, go take care of your wife. And he says, she's your wife. She's sick. She needs you. And he says it with all the conviction of Wonka is stop. No, come back. Like you don't <laughs> buy it for a minute. I love that comparison. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. There's no conviction to it. And, None whatsoever. and it's, you know, the fact that for being a smart guy that at this point, you know, Kevin's not seeing that there's something else going on here just proves mm-hmm. how far gone he is down this road of vanity. That oh, yeah, especially especially in the whole line of, you know, she gets better and I hate her for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that made me hate him so oh, much. Like the <laughs> justification, like that is next level justification. Totally. It's it's incredibly impressive. And, and yet at the same time, like you hate him, but you still don't hate him. And mm-hmm. is that a Keanu Reeves thing? The char- is it the character being written well enough that you never fully fall off his train? Like I just I don't. Maybe I think I just it, it has to be a combination anything. of the two. <laughs> I feel like it maybe has to I be just com- forgive Keanu Reeves anything. Is that's I know <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. <laughs> but he he just wants to succeed so badly, and. You know, no matter the cost. And that is that is definitely his fatal flaw. Yeah. Is that, that win. Always going for the win. And once that win is done, then he can focus on Marianne and everything's okay. So right. he's he's not he's not willing to make any of those sacrifices. Because it, it feels like he doesn't think those sacrifices are something he should have to deal with or beneath him. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. th- from there we roll in to the monologue scene, which it's John's (laughs) epic monologue cut with uh, the scene of Eddie dying, which, you know, fuck you. It's the best part of the scene is watching Jeffrey Jones die. But I know, right? So good. I wish it were more violent. But um, so (laughs) John's monologue sounds amazing when he's Pacino livering it. But when you read it without that delivery, it makes no goddamn sense. Like, no, it's it's totally like a hobo rant. It's yeah. it's really, really hilarious, and which is even better considering that um, the Eddie Barzian character is beaten to death by hobos with sticks, which <laughs> I quite true. enjoyed I as well. <laughs> yeah, like this. If you actually just read the words to what he's saying, it's like, wait, what? Oh, it's ridiculous! About, it's ridiculous. Should I find it? Should I find it and read it? You can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because the words themselves. Yeah, I want to know what. 
the screenwriter was on when he wrote this. It's like, what are I you love smoking? It. I, 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 mean, really, I really love it there. But it's also <laughs> nonsensical. I mean, there are moments Completely. that kind of... I mean, the words on their own make sense, but the way they're strung together are just nonsense. <laughs> just absolute oh, absolutely. Nonsense. Absolutely. And I mean, you have to imagine it in the in the way it was delivered like it's it's so different when you when you recall the film and it's delivered a little bit broken up with those other things right i think that makes a huge difference too oh my god this is so this is so long but it's so worth it go for eddie it. barzoon eddie barzoon i nursed him through two divorces a cocaine rehab and a pregnant receptionist god's creature right god's special creature and i've warned him kevin i've warned him like every step of the way Watching him bounce around like a fucking game, like a wind-up toy. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> like 250 pounds of self-serving greed on wheels. The next thousand years is right around the corner, Kevin. And Eddie Barzoon, take a good look, because he's the poster child for the next millennium. These people, it's no mystery where they come from. You sharpen the human appetite to the point where it can split atoms with its desire. You build egos the size of cathedrals, fiber-optically connect the world to every eager impulse... Grease even the dullest dreams of these dollar green gold-plated fantasies until every human becomes an aspiring emperor, becomes his own god. And where can you go from there? See, this is the, this is the point where I get the whole. They had no right predicting this kind of stuff twenty years right, ago. Right, right, and it was it was it was fine till there. If they had stopped yeah. there, we would have been good. And then it kept going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As we're scrambling from one deal to the next, who's got his eye on the planet? As the air thickens, the water sours, and even the bee's honey takes on the metallic taste of radioactivity. And it just keeps coming faster and faster. There's no chance to think, to prepare. It's buy futures, sell futures, when there's no future. We've got a runway, a runaway train, boy. We've got a million Eddie Barzoons all jogging into the future. Every one of them getting ready to fist fuck God's ex-planet, lick their fingers clean as they reach out towards their pristine cybernetic keyboards to total up their billable hours. And then it hits home. You gotta pay your own way, Eddie. It's a little late in the game to buy out now. Your belly's too full, your dick is sore, your eyes are bloodshot, and you're screaming for someone to help. But guess what? There's no one there. You're all alone, Eddie. You're God's special little creature. Maybe it's true. Maybe God threw the dice once too often. Maybe he let us all down. (laughs) Oh, rant. Yeah, seriously. Like, it really, like, <laughs> when I was listening to it, I was so caught up. And then it clicked in the line, you're all alone, Eddie. You're God's special little creature. I was like, wait, that doesn't, that make, doesn't any make any sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it both ways. So then that's when I went back and read it. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> exactly it's the best it's the best thing and the worst thing at the same time like there's so so many little bits of this are super chilling because they are true now yeah and weren't really true in 1997 oh for sure yeah i mean things were definitely different then it's the it's it's gotten worse but then at the same time (laughs) you had your point and then you kept going yeah, and yeah. I, I, I want to know who's <laughs> responsible for that. I would love to see the original script to know if that's oh, man, what it was. Maybe, maybe Pacino just went on a rant. <laughs> that is completely possible. I could see that. That seems like something I Pacino actually kind of like do. that. Yeah. He just Pacino the <laughs> shit out of it. And the best part is, is that Al Pacino is just living for this role. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Like I've never seen someone chew scenery more happily. Yeah, for sure. That's I mean that's what he does though. That's his thing. 
Absolutely. Um, so following this rant, of course, because no no movie like this anyone ever lets a woman get out completely unscathed. Uh, Marianne gets raped, and way to go, Kev! As, you don't believe your wife, you know, as if she hasn't been through enough, right? Um, and granted, I mean, yes, he was with John all day, so I get that he's having trouble reconciling. But at the same time, like, maybe give your wife a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that perhaps maybe she got her timeline wrong or maybe it was someone else and she just put his face in the villain's role. Like, whatever. But don't automatically tell your wife she's crazy when she tells you she was sexually assaulted. That is not the proper response, Kevin. Exactly. And and I mean, assuming that all those marks are self-harm, I mean, it's all awful. Like, everything about it is awful. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to explain how a woman would have all of those awful scratch marks all over her body <clears throat> as a result mm-hmm. of doing it to herself. So, yeah, yeah, way to go, Kev. Good way job. to go. Good job. So from there, we move on to Eddie's uh, funeral scene. And I know people grieve in their own ways, but these people are fucking disgusting. They're disgusting. <laughs> this is where you really start to see the depth of just absolute grossness of the people that are in Milton's inner circle is at oh, his yeah. funeral. And this is where the vanity comes back too. Like all of the all the women complimenting each other, oh doesn't she look ravishing? It's a fucking funeral, you vultures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like you got to figure that probably it, in these ridiculous rich people circles, it's not uncommon that, that it probably really is like this, but. Oh, I'm sure. It doesn't make it any less disgusting. Oh, <laughs> gross. Not. You people are gross. And not that this was a subtle movie before the moment, but the holy water scene <laughs> is where it's like, yep, we know what kind of movie this is. <laughs> like, <laughs> and again, it's the tongue between the teeth thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 I can visualize oh. it. Yeah. You yeah. did do that a lot. Now I have to rewatch it. Like I needed an Yay! excuse. Like you need an excuse. Yeah. So then, of course, we have finally somebody's here to help Kevin and tell him what's going on. And he gets hit by a car. But Yeah. Like, Our other, other subplot, the, right. the Weaver Commission. So many subplots. But who the fuck so crosses the street in New York without looking? Like I <laughs> hate scenes when people get hit by cars. But in this case, this guy kind of had it coming. Like. Dude. I don't disagree with that at all. Dude. Come on. <laughs> so that subplot out of the way now. We move back to Marianne, <laughs> who is now in a mental institution because her husband can't be bothered to believe her that she's been raped. So as the only sympathetic character in the film, at this point, she kills herself. Which well, and, Ke- and Kevin's mother has returned to look after. Yes, and someone reading the Bible Kevin's to me all day good. in a locked room would also make me even more unhinged. So good. Job oh yeah, didn't we learn that from Game of Thrones? Like, yeah. come on. Yeah, you're you're not helping. So there. This suicide is just awful. Though. It is. It's brutal. It's horrible to watch. And I think that Keanu's re- reaction in this scene is some of his best acting ever. And I will. I that. definitely agree with that. It's it's incredible. It, he it seems genuine and it's devastating and good God, it's just it's, oh, yeah. it's an incredible scene. No, it's it's so heartbreaking and just the the look of 
pure love on Charlize's face before she does it, the conviction and everything in that dead stare. Oh my God. Yeah. Like girl work that out. It was yeah. really good. It was, it's so good. And, and I know we, we differ on our opinions here, but I think this is one of the only that Keanu shows some kind of chemistry with his female co-star. He, I mean, he, oh, anybody you put can a, say this. He you has, put a, you put I, a I, yes, I said, I said female co-star. <laughs> <laughs> I did put a qualifier into the female co-star. Um, just because, I mean, it's, he's not known for having a shit ton of chemistry with his female co-stars. And I mean, given his life and all that kind of stuff, I get it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, how do you not act genuine with Charlize Theron? This is true. And the reason I mean, we're, we're having that chemistry. argument is because I maintained that he had a buttload of chemistry with Patrick Swayze. And I do not disagree with that, hence the yes. qualifier. <laughs> so I will give you female <laughs> co-stars. But, uh, yes, there will never be a better on-screen duo than Swayze and Reeves. Exactly. Okay. God, I hate Pam. <laughs> I'm just putting that out oh, there. Fuck. Fucking yes. Pam. And it's, that, it's, it's her that pushes that final button, that final vanity button. Look yep. how pretty you are. Yep, and she, <gasps> she takes it for that one second, and that was all it needed. And oh, yep. devastating. Absolutely. Hate Pam. So before we hit the final confrontation in the Devil's Advocate, we're going to pause for a bad touch service announcement from our residence expert, Miss Bella Blitz. Hey, everybody. Bella here with your bad touch service announcement. Sex is fun. Sex for procreation can be fun if you're into that sort of thing. But sex with your sister, whom your father probably also had sex with, not so much fun. Not even if dear old dad is Satan himself. So, investigate before you procreate. The concubine of your father may be the bride of your dreams, and your offspring may be the Antichrist, but it does not make it okay. Let's move demonic incest up on the list of sins thou shalt not commit, right next to having sex with Al Pacino. Thank you, Bella, for that helpful and fun information. So now we're on to the final countdown. I mean, oh my god, Sorry. everything just goes batshit here. It is, and it's amazing. And so Pacino is a dick. I mean, he's just from here on out, he's a huge dick. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, it it it's an amusing dick. It's uh, <laughs> kind of like weirdly sexy dick, but he's a dick. Uh, he's I, a dick. I will say though, the line "Don't be such a fucking chump." I use that a lot. I'm not going to yeah. lie. <laughs> I I can't help it. It is relevant in every instance. Yes. And uh, so he then goes on, you know, he's he's dropping the truth bombs on Kevin left and right. And uh, he, 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 the best one, my favorite is, it's not that you didn't care for Marianne, Kevin. It's just that you were a little more involved with someone else. Yourself. Boom. Yep. Boom. Boom. I love this. I love this speech. My brother and I used to have it memorized line for line, which is weird. We used to like shout at each yeah. other across the There's house. There's this great scene where he's, you know, he's then he goes dropping the truth bombs on God and there are great truth bombs. I mean, he's got oh, maybe yeah. a nutball, but he's got some solid points. Totally. Yeah. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. Me? I'm a humanist. Maybe the last one. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, there it's it. great. There are some Brilliant good writing. lines in that scene, uh, and I think they hold up. I'm just putting that absolutely, out there. absolutely, and and the whole thing of you know involved with someone else. 
yourself, like vanity is a very selfish sin. Yes, absolutely. It, and uh, and Kevin just kind of rolled with that willingly, like rolled downhill with it. Yeah, for sure. And I he he calls him on it. That's the other thing I love is that you know he reveals like, oh, you're my son. Oh, you're gonna lead everyone, but you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> you should be but then aware. again so am i yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, just a helpful note for all you sibling sets out there a brother should never know his sister's ovulation cycle ever neither should neither should your father my no, god no that's well you could be in a situation like mine where you have a shitload of health problems and sometimes your father knows too much so i won't put that qualifier on there but i will well, say your brother should never know those things no one should be broadcasting your your fertility cycle. Let's I just won't put it argue that way. With that. It's like, oh, by the way, your sister's ovulating. Hint, hint. Like, Ugh. get on that. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's so cringy. <laughs> I really wanted him to say so. Got <laughs> okay. What's your I'm point? Wait. That's so gross. No, I'm not touching her. <laughs> not now. You shouldn't have told me, you dummy. <laughs> I know, right? Like ticking time bomb. Great. Thanks. Yeah, like a normal reaction would have been wait until after and then tell him. Like, don't tell him, oh, by the way, she's your sister. Now fuck her. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. Wait, oh, well, no. now I'm really hard. <laughs> Ugh. 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 So the other thing I love in this scene is the mural. Yes. Which has, I mean, it's been set up the whole time because they keep framing it every Mm -hmm. time they're in Milton's office. But when it comes to life, at first, I mean, it, towards the end, uh, it starts to look kind of ridiculous. But at first, it does. It's but at first, really when they beautiful. start moving over each other yeah. and and uh, getting into their their little sex positions, it's really beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. And really, I, really beautiful. This, yeah. and it's and you know, it's just like actors painted gray and whatever, and it's it's really wonderful. Yeah, it's it's really especially in the beginning, not so much in the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not so much a, in the end. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great a great uh, touch for that scene. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So is and the think, end – oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just have to bring up one thing mm-hmm. that I find um, – I find quite poignant. It probably doesn't deserve to be, but I find it quite poignant is the line that the virtue of the devil is in his loins. Yeah. So it's a, it's one of those things that as cursed as the devil is, as reviled as he is, the possibility that the children will be better yeah. is is kind of implied there. And this child has the choice to be good or evil and be powerful in either way, in either path. And I, I, I find that quite poignant. Yeah, and it's, it's the again, way that he, Once again, we like this movie way more, much, way much we more. We do, and I think we probably give it more credit than it deserves. But hey, yeah. somebody has to. So <laughs> is this a kind of Battlestar Galactica ending, as I call it, which is all of this has happened before and will happen again? Is he making mm-hmm. the same mistakes in different ways? Is he just going to end up in the same place again? What do you think happens next? Like if we saw the next six months in Kevin and Mary and Lomax's life, what was going to happen? I love this. I love this so much. A mankind is so predictable. And no matter how many times it plays out, the problem is always choice. And vanity is always so easy. Right. And and I I love cyclical films like this. I look at the matrix this way too. Right. 
Another, another Keanu Reeves star. Um, and I love the fact that you can watch this movie and see everything come full circle and then see it start again and again and again. I think it would have happened the same. Yeah. Second time around, it's Marianne who sows the seed, which is all the more heartbreaking because we know how it all ends for her and it will never end differently. And she's the true victim in all of it. Everything just kind of like she's the, the casualty in Kevin's storyline right. always. Yeah, absolutely. And she says that at, at one point when they're when she's falling apart is, you know, I knew that you were doing wrong. I knew we were making the wrong decisions and I didn't stop you. And yeah. so, you know, to see her being the one this time around that's encouraging him to pursue that that vanity, it it is really upsetting. Um, oh yeah. I you know the thing is the second time around you know you want to think well he he apparently has the knowledge of what he's just been through he's made that second choice is he really going to make these same stupid decisions again but you know again like you said it's people are predictable you know they're they're absolutely no matter what they've learned it's (laughs) you're still going to make similar mistakes over and over again Absolutely. And his character hasn't changed. Kevin is still Kevin. Kevin still wants the win. Kevin still wants the limelight. Yeah. And he'll he'll chase that regardless. So yeah, it, it will play out the same. Yeah. Like maybe the details will be a little different, but it will be the same. Absolutely. And uh, so... Oh, our, no, I want to watch it again. I know, right? I'm telling you, that's, that's the point. <laughs> Get out and watch the movie, people. It's so good. So our last steam room confession was a write-in vote that didn't even occur to me, which I'm embarrassed about because I'm so friggin' in love with this man, not the person that <laughs> tweeted it, though I'm sure you're lovely too, person that tweeted it. Um, <laughs> our write-in vote was from Last Alas on Twitter, who picked Tom Ellis in Lucifer on Fox. He has the smirk that could charm the, pa- charm the panties off a woman or make a man drop trow, and he plays a piano. And Boom. I agree with all of that. I am so in love with Tom Ellis. I can't even explain. <laughs> like not even just on this show. I can talk to you about Tom Ellis's career to a point that's kind of creepy. So <laughs> I fully support this write-in vote. Thank you. Last alas on Twitter. You're good people. So You're good people. as we always do in the steam room, before we wrap things up, we like to rate the sex. So on a scale of one to five, how basement flooding are the scenes of dancing the Paphian jig? <laughs> I love that. Thank you. We're going a little historical with our sex euphemisms for a while. I needed some variety. <laughs> I love it. So All right. you go first and then I'll go. Okay. So I find the sex problematic at best. Um, but I'm going to agree with your rating which is putting it like a three and a half or a four. The sex is implied or just a fantasy. So I, th- I think I'm going to settle at a three. Um, Kevin's chemistry with Christabella is awkward. And I also didn't get the sweet and steamy that I wanted between Kevin and Marianne because they, it seems like their relationship and their sex life would be sweet, but hot. Like it, it, I just don't, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's satisfying, makes you wonder what your partner sees when it's time to get down. Is he seeing demons? Matter. Yeah. <laughs> so this Don't this, tell me if you are. Yeah, exactly. So this was a hard one for me, but because like you said, a lot of the sex teases are implied, and then the rest is incestuous. That being yeah. said, I'm gonna give it a four because I mean she's just his half sister. Don't at me. 
Um, yeah. So anyway, that's it <laughs> for this super nerdy episode of the Steam Room. Thanks for joining us, guys, and sticking it out with our nerdiness. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, everyone go watch Devil's Advocate right now. Yes, and watch it with all that's of what our I'm going to do. genius analysis in mind. And maybe you might like it just a little bit more, is all we're saying. It's so all we're saying. you can find us. Uh, you're already listening to us somewhere. It's probably iTunes or SoundCloud. So give us a rating. You can support us on Patreon, which is amazing. We love all of our supporters. You can read The Steam Room as an article every month in Belladonna Magazine. You can read all about erotic thrillers and horror and so much more at thehorrorhoneys.com. If you enjoyed what you heard here in The Steam Room, seriously, give us a rating on iTunes and share the love. And don't forget to check out Bad Touch on YouTube and learn the real-life applications of all the cinematic sexy we discuss here in the Steam Room. So thank you for joining me tonight, Kat. Thank you. Oh, and everyone, if you want to find us on Twitter, I am at HorrorHoneys, H-O-R-R-O-R-H-O-N-E-Y-S. Yes, and I am at Lenny Luhu, L-I-N-N-I-E-L-O-O-W-H-O. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, kids, there may not be any sex in the champagne room, but there is always sex in the steam room.